it's David James Young here for the best of 2016 for All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. Before we get into it, I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who voted. We ended up with just under 130 votes, which is absolutely unreal. So if you took the time to vote, I just want to say thank you so much for helping to put this together. Hopefully we'll have uh, even more to share with you uh, for next time. Uh, really looking forward to what we have to come in 2017, uh, which starts tomorrow with a new episode with Horror My Friend, who are currently on tour, are uh, supporting their new single DIYS. So that's all happening and it's pretty exciting, but uh, until then, we're going to quickly take a look back at some of your favorite episodes of 2016. So what we're going to do is we're going to play. 10 through 8 in quick succession, then 7 through 5, then 4 through 2, and then we'll reveal the number 1. So uh, we're going to just take little snippets from each of those episodes just to give you an idea of what they were like in case you haven't checked them out. And if you do want to check them out, you can listen to the entire things just by going back through the archives you can head over to soundcloud or all my friends are in barbands.com or podcast machine it's 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 all there it's all available all right so let's get into this first bracket at number 10 uh is episode 51 we spoke to the stern brothers jake and max stern uh from meridian uh also in bands like the otis wolves and same and signals midwest etc etc But uh, in this section of the podcast, you are going to hear Max talking about his very first ska band. At number nine, we have uh, the fantastic Modern Baseball, uh, which was the 50th episode of the podcast. We had a chat with Jake and with Sean about uh, all different things. But uh, in this uh, clip, you are going to be hearing them talking about, I suppose, the turning point in the band's history, where it went from just being a couple of friends kicking around to something they wanted to do in earnest. And at number eight, episode 47, the legendary Jeff Rosenstock. Uh, This is towards the end of the interview, and it's where we talk about, I guess, kind of lessons learned from getting older and uh, the way that Jeff approaches music now, as opposed to when he did back when he was starting out in The Arrogant Sons of Bitches and in Bum the Music Industry. Awesome stuff. All right, let's, uh, let's check in with that now. All right, here we go. 10 through 8 in the best episodes of 2016. What was the Scar <clears throat> Band called out of interest? <sighs> It was called the Scar-tastic. Yes, it was! Oh my god! There's That's a, there's a few a few on the internet. Uh, you'll have to you have to dig a little bit. I will maintain. Same with Meridian. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of Meridians too. There's no. There's You're not no picking very original band names. No, no it's, a, it's a problem. Uh, I will still maintain that the sickest guitar solo I have ever recorded was on that Scatastrophes record. Uh, it's a song called "Take It Easy." Uh, you can Google it. It's. It's it's a shredder. We have, we have it on good authority. Though. <laughs> the songs really aren't half bad. Like for Scott, like it's really good ska music. Every so often, like maybe a couple times a year, I'll I'll get an email or some weird Facebook message being like, "Hey, are you the guy from Scott Catastrophes? Can I order a CD?" I'm like, "Dude, we haven't played since 2008." <laughs> like, but like 
Someone uploaded the whole record on YouTube, and all the songs have, like, thousands of views. It's really funny. That's hectic. Yeah. And, and every so often, it's like, should I just do, like, a reunion shit? No. 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 I don't want to teach everybody, like, horn parts again. I was, like, writing all the <laughs> horn parts and transcribing stuff, and, and was really into, like, Less Than Jake, Streetlight Manifesto, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but it was really great. I mean, that was, like, how I learned how playing shows works, and, and so much about, like, you know, just working with people to write songs and, and accomplish things and, and a lot of like interpersonal management stuff. And I mean, I learned everything and like, you know, got screwed over by promoters a fair amount as a young kid. Like you do. As you do, you know, like, Oh yes. Yeah, so sell all these tickets at $10 a ticket for this battle of the band. So you can keep a dollar ticket and we'd sell like 200 really? of them. And then like just hand these promoters like thousands of dollars and think that that was how it worked. I mean, it was, it was bad. Uh, yeah, don't do that anymore. Don't have to do that. Yeah, it's <laughs> no pay to play, guys. baby. Fuck that shit. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what you get when you're 15 and like you know playing clubs. This is true. Yeah. This is sad, but, sad but true. As Metallica once said. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't think anything was going to happen at all. Uh, the first thing, probably the first thing we did with real conviction was. When we decided, like, me and Bren both had a bunch of, like, an album's worth of songs. Right, yeah. Uh, that we would just play for people around the city, and we had an EP out, and we were just doing it for fun. But there was one day when we were like, we have all this, these songs, uh, our friends are in bands and do this kind of thing, we should step it up and we should, like, record an album mm. and get it pressed and, like, see what happens. Yeah. We didn't think anything was going to happen, but we were like, we should just do it so that we can, you know, have something to be proud of. Um, and that's when we went into the studio and made sports. Um, and then all this dumb shit happened. <laughs> all this dumb shit. Now we're almost early. Yeah, here we are. Oh my god, right? <laughs> it was like when when they initially asked me to play drums. Yeah. It was the first band that I was going to play in that I didn't start. And yeah. I was like, this is really cool. I like these guys' music. I'm just gonna start, and the, the idea originally was like, I'm just like gonna be like, hired gun, play drums, and I was just like, these are really nice kids, I'll play drums with them, and like, my friends I told I was doing it, they are just like, don't do that, don't do it, man, it's not, it's not gonna, oh, really? Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. They were just like, dude, like, why, like, it was just kind of like a, like, you're gonna go play other people's music, like do your own thing, yeah, man. Like, yeah. and I was just like, no, it'll be fun. Like, yeah. I'm like stoked on these. These guys are really nice. Oh, I'm glad you did it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad too. Yeah. Quags, wow, what a traitor. And if it all goes to shit, you can go solo again. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. <laughs> this guy, yeah, he's speaking at my wedding, so yeah, <laughs> we're still close. It's fine. Yeah. It's good. No Congratulations, yeah. by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> If anything, I feel a little more confident with things now. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to treat everyone in the band. Like, I'm just trying to make sure. I'm thinking a lot more about making sure that we can survive while we're in this band than I was sure. when we were in Bomb. Yeah, 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 when we were in Bomb, we all had jobs. I was just like, fuck it, man, whatever. Let's do it. Let's, like, it doesn't matter, you know? But even aside from, like, that, that stupid shit, it, it gets everything can get to a point where it's just like it seems stressful it doesn't seem like a lot probably from an outsider's perspective mm. but on the music industry 
like between bomb the music industry and like this actually starting as a thing like that was a lot of time that passed for me that was like a yeah. year a year and a half two yeah, years yeah, where sure, like sure, sure. in my mind i was just like okay i'm not gonna be a touring musician or be in a band or anything like that again the fact that i went through that made it so that like now I, I try and appreciate everything a lot more and just be thankful for the fact that we are doing this and that we are lucky enough to to go to Australia or to yeah. go to New Jersey and everything in between you know what I mean I think with bomb like I was saying I would just so, get so caught up in booking everything and all that stuff that the defeat kind of overshadowed the victories and especially for someone like me we're like you know if there's like a hundred record reviews and one record review says one bad thing, I'll think about that bad thing for the rest yeah, of my yeah, life. Totally. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, yeah. Like it was, I I'm just trying to be less of that person, you know. Right. Yeah. I'm realizing why Bound the Music Industry didn't last and what what's on me with it not lasting, and I'm trying to just deal with those issues or the very least acknowledge them and try and sure. move past them yeah um, music wise though everything's everything's the same basically yeah. it's it's still just me writing songs in my bedroom and yeah. you know working out some shit yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at number seven uh was episode 38 uh the ever popular frankie arrow the first ever international guest on the podcast an absolute legend, formerly of My Chemical Romance uh, and Frankie Arrow and The Celebration. Now, Frankie Arrow and The Patience. Uh, we were supposed to catch up uh, when Frank played uh, in Sydney uh, in October, but uh, I'm sure you all know how, how that turned out. So, a uh, big, big love to everyone in the Frankie Arrow camp. Hope you're all surviving. Hope you're all doing well. Uh, in this clip, we talk about the New Jersey scene and the community in which Frank built his name as a musician and cut his teeth, and uh, specifically talks about a certain uh, lockout rehearsal space that they had. At number six uh, was episode 71, with Mere Women. We spoke to Amy and Flynn from the awesome Sydney post-punk band, and we, uh, in this clip, talk about... Uh, playing around in Sydney and the various experiences that come with doing that, as well as being a hyped new band when you've been doing it for quite some time. And at number five, uh, episode 74, the last episode of 2016, with Pup. That was with Zach and Steve from the band, and we talked about the mental health dialogue within the band and uh, how they keep... Their communication lines open and how they are very, very honest about what the touring life does to them and how they work through it as friends and as a band together. Beautiful stuff. Great, great guys. Really, really stoked to have them on the podcast. So let's check out seven through five in the best episodes as voted by you of 2016. No one in, in, in our scene ever thought like we anyone was going to break out right it. Yeah, like yeah, it yeah. was always going to be like you know the the music that we're playing right now is no one no one likes that no one's going to like this no, yeah, I mean, sure. you know, we're, we'll be lucky if after we die like people will be like oh that band was great what are you talking Remember about those guys? Yeah. Yeah. like no one liked the misfits until they broke up sure yeah you know I mean? <laughs> so like, and that that's just the way it goes like that's the way you know punk rock works i feel like you know uh, everybody wants my threat to get back together <laughs> you know what i mean like just the way it is. So there, there was none of that. I, 
I think early on, like uh, getting signed to a label, mm. uh, you know, recording and, and actually putting something out, like not just recording and keeping it in your room, but actually like putting it. Yeah, that was that yeah, was yeah. huge. Um, and and to, to play out of state was huge. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, but I remember, like when uh, when my cam was first kind of getting together, or whatever. I was in a band called uh, I Am a Graveyard, and we Total had a name. <laughs> Thank you. That is so good. <laughs> uh, we uh, we had a practice studio. We had like right. a lockout. Yeah. It was weird. Like the the lockout that we had, we just like once you got one. Uh, if you were serious, you needed to have a lockout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know what I'm talking about? Like, you go in... Basically, it's an apartment with, like... No, like It's like this, and you just make a lot of noise whenever <laughs> yeah, you want Yeah, 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 And just people get fucked up in it. <laughs> so, Henry Graybird had it. Um, there was a band from New Jersey called The Banner was in there. Thursday was in there. Murder by Death was in there at some point. Yeah, like, nice. I mean, it was like everybody that was on Eyeball or, or around that time... Yeah. ...made their way into that studio. And and that's really how the, all those, those friendships were forged and stuff like that it was late nights you know with nothing else to do yeah but like you know because you spent all your money on the lockout sure you know yeah. I mean? and so like yeah it, or that or beer and drugs like you know it's like that was it so like you would go to this room you and you'd, nice, you'd be yeah. like yeah well we have this yeah. <laughs> you know and, and someone bought strings so we're gonna fucking we're gonna either make music right, or do something yeah. so uh and that's how it, that's how it, how it went you know yeah, mean? yeah yeah and uh, and I think the people that that couldn't fucking hang got weeded out real quick and the strong will survive. That's what was on the door. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. It was, uh, yeah, it was who will survive and what will be left of them was, was actually spray painted. Really? On the door. Yeah. Fucking A. Yeah. Oh, that's it was, sick. It was fucking brutal. When you walked in that room, you, you knew you were into something. Oh, yeah. dude, I can imagine. Yeah. We've definitely played all the venues in Sydney that I've kind of wanted to play. Yeah. Um, Except for the animal. I played the Emmore in some awkward, weird state of origin show with you, Beauty, and it was the worst thing. <laughs> I heard the time. about that. Everyone was just sitting there. down, just like, oh, it was a good idea in theory, um, but yeah, it just didn't come off. But anyway, anyway, <laughs> uh, me and women have played like to you know five people and to a couple of thousand of people. Like it's it's one of those bands that like now now people come to our shows, but like you know as every band when they start out, like it takes a little time sometimes yeah I mean going back to the big sound thing you know that's primarily a lot of like young and up and coming bands like I can imagine that would have been weird to you know kind of be a band of like people in your 30s you know kind of going through like (laughs) there are people in in this band in their 30s yeah there there are people I'm not technically incorrect She just got carded over there. I did. I just got fucking carded across the street, just so everyone knows. <laughs> no, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was just saying, you know, like, you know, is it weird to kind of be seen as like, oh, you know, there's this band with this cool new stuff out, and you know, like... It is so, weird. Yeah, like, and being like, you know, we've kind of been it's, doing this for a while. Yeah, it's totally. Super, yeah. It's no, it is. Weird. Yeah. But there's, there's other bands out there that have been doing it for... Just as long or longer. Yeah. yeah but like, yeah. you know. But you don't, I, people don't know how long they've been doing it for. No, because you're just on the radar from some bullshit. Like, you know, yeah. someone might have got a song on Triple J or something, and then all of a sudden they're a brand new band, but they've yeah. been t- together for 10 years or yeah. something. But it is kind of strange, like, going to things like that where everyone's so excited about, you know, new bands, and they think that they've heard your name around a fair bit. So, like, you know, they're like, oh, I'll see them next time or something. But yeah, yeah. yeah. it's like everyone, whatever the flavor of the month is. And yeah. there, was a, there was a few of them up there, that's for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I think a, a mental health dialogue is impar- important regardless of your profession. And it's, yeah. I mean, that's uh, normalizing that uh, aspect of life 
we'll ultimately help people yeah. that way and like in the way you're describing. Yeah, I think that's very important, and we do have a dialogue in the... Well, we, we don't really have a dialogue in the band. It's just, like, we have an awareness. Yeah. And it's, like, trying to accommodate that that specter, basically, and, like, yeah. how it kind of looms over everything sometimes. And, I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, the thing about us being in such close quarters for so many days of the year... Yeah. There's sort of, like, a, an implicit understanding yeah. that, you know... Sometimes people just need space, yeah. exactly, and yeah. not everyone is going to feel 100 percent or great every yeah. hour of the day, and that's cool. Like that doesn't mean they're mad at you, no, sure, or they're going to quit the band or anything. It's just like that—that's how you recognize mental health and, and are able to kind of create space for it to be dealt with in some way. Yeah. yeah. If Zach or I are feeling bad, and, and you know the other one notices, you can it can simply be enough to be like, "Hey, how are you doing?" Or to just not say anything. And if they want to just hang out and read a book, or you know, take that alone time, you yeah, you need yeah. to figure out ways to cope, or not yes. cope, but but strategies to, I guess you know, maintain your sanity as much po- yeah. as yeah. possible. There's a group strategy, and there's also an individual strategy. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. It's important to have both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, kind of, you're at this point where, as you mentioned, kind of in this 100-day tour, you know, and the album's done really well, you know, with the Polaris nomination and everything, which is crazy. Yeah, like, yeah um, it was crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, uh, is, is this kind of, are you at the point now where you've just realized that, has it kind of clicked that this is going to be life from now on, you know, just kind of the right record tour cycle and, you know, getting out to as many different places as you can? Uh, I don't know. I don't know, like... I think I feel think, like, like I don't know. Do you think there's a longevity to it? I don't know if there's a longevity. It's, I think you create the longevity, and I don't think it's. I, I feel like I'm of the opinion that if you're comfortable with it, you're probably doing something wrong. Uh, right, yeah. So it's like you have to like there there yeah. It's just like you have to keep slogging. There's no surety ever, so you yeah. need to like manufacture that surety. Yeah, like in a way, my favorite shows are always the ones where they're. The crowd doesn't really know us, and we're forced to win them over, or we're, we don't play to that many people because it still does happen every once in a while. Yeah, sure. Because I feel like that's the way you kind of learn. Yeah, like Zach said, you like any way you can be thrown out of your comfort zone. I think is really, really important because I think it helps you do good creative work. Yeah. yeah. So there's there's uh, always like a an element of not really getting used to anything. Yeah. yeah. Because you never know when it could change, both for the better or for the worse sure. yeah. and I think that's also awesome for uh, creativity yeah, yeah it's like when you're sure. thrown you're forced to improvise that's like yeah. that's a very good skill to have yeah. and to exercise <laughs> you definitely you made that on your resume I reckon yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> getting towards the top end here let's see what came in at number 4 episode 70 with Kayatana the absolutely wonderful ladies of Kayatana uh we in this clip we talk about their plans for the future uh with a new record coming out this year which is very very exciting and uh we also briefly talk about the the former first family of America at number 3 uh episode 44 the double verified chris Farron, the very hilarious, very funny Chris Farron. Uh, we got into a lot of stuff, but I couldn't help but share this great little uh, talk about how I came to know Chris, which was through his Twitter account. 
And you monsters actually did it at number two. Voted in at number two in the best episodes of 2016 was episode 69. The first and potentially only unedited and unsanctioned episode of the podcast with the rock band Jacob. uh, Which starts with... uh, uh, a praise of their bass player Rory, aka Roy, which then naturally turns into a riff on one of the members' mums, and it just gets ridiculous. I'd share more if I could, but good God, we only have so much time in the day. So yeah, let's let's get through these. These are your favorite episodes of 2016, as voted by you. We finished the record. We're figuring out what we're going to do with that now. It's all done though. We have the pub tour playing some shows with the Bouncing Souls and the Flatliner. Oh, fuck yeah. Um, I think that's it as of right now. Just uh, waiting to release the next record. Yeah, making some music vids, you know, fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Working on new songs, too. Tour Europe eventually. Yeah, we really need to do that. Come back to Australia. (laughs) But we also just want to come back here for like three months. Yeah, honestly. I'm sure we can make that happen. Yeah. (laughs) We'll just go up and down. Yeah, yeah. Remember us? We were here last last Tuesday. (laughs) I'm sure we can make that happen. (laughs) We'll have our people call your people and we'll we'll look at the details. (laughs) You call Obama. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Well, wow, I'm really stoked Obama took up the managerial position because he is. Yeah. Uh, he's our manager now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's our manager. Well, yeah. Now he's now he's not going to be president for much longer, and so he he's like, mm, focusing full time yeah, on you guys. On band management. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was like, yeah. yeah actually, you know what's funny? Uh, Courtney Barnett, your your local legend, yeah, previous great. guest of the show, friend of the show. Yeah, she was on Obama's playlist. Yeah, Obama I saw that. that playlist. It was sick too. I was like, "Damn, yeah. Obama! Not only are you sexy as hell, you have great taste." <laughs> oh shit! Damn. Here's a secret: we all love Obama and Nikki's hot. Yeah, he's wicked hot. Nice. He's got that smile for days. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, such a beautiful and that man. voice too. I know he's got a really nice Michelle great equally speaker. is hot. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Michelle's oh. hotter than Barack. Obama. She's way hotter, and she has biceps that won't quit. <laughs> <laughs> God damn! Maui, wowie. Yeah. <laughs> When you were announced for this tour, I was trying to remember where I'd heard your name before, and I realised it was related to Gaslight Anthem. Uh, Via Twitter, before I actually knew who you were as a musician, you had actually ruined one of their songs for me, because you did a tweet about one of their songs. You changed the lyrics from I Came to Get Hurt to... I came to network, and now I can't hear it any other way. <laughs> I would literally, for weeks, I thought it was the funniest fucking thing in the world. I would literally just walk around for weeks just going, I came to network! <laughs> and I was just like, oh, so you're the guy! Yeah! And it all came together in this beautiful way. Hell yeah. Wow, I forgot about that great tweet. Wow, I'm going to have to go back and, and reread that one. <laughs> it's part of a Greatest Hits compilation, I'm sure. That's, yeah, uh, I'll do a coffee table book. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah, with some with some nice little twit pics to go along with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. At Chris Farron for the for the latest uh, updates. Yeah, verified, baby. I'm working <laughs> on getting double verified. It's never been done. Ooh. We'll see. How how would you get double verified? Here's my plan. Okay. I go to Twitter HQ in San Francisco, probably wherever. Right. Sure. Silicon I play Valley. a beautiful acoustic set. I wow them all. Mm. And then I just say, hey, all I want 
is just another verified symbol next to my name. And they look you dead in the eye. Mm-hmm. And they say, you got it. You got it. What else do you need? And I say, that's it. Maybe a bottle of water. Here you go. Yeah. And then I leave. <laughs> <laughs> Man, your plans of world domination are a beautiful, beautiful thing, my friend. Oh, I, thank uh, you. <laughs> All I want is everything <laughs> and a bottle of water. <laughs> the Chris Farron story. <laughs> you wrote a biography thing. Yeah. You just there, just holding holding uh, two blue ticks in your hand and just looking quizzically out the window. It's yeah. It's like... Hmm. Yeah. I wonder what life could be like beyond two blue teams. <laughs> <laughs> the double verified Chris Farrow. That's yeah. fantastic. The thing was that, like, I, I would always write songs, and me and my friends would always write songs where they'd have things, but Rory was the first person to have, like, parts and then ugly parts, but the ugly parts worked, and I fucking love that. Yeah, Thank you. So that's, def- that's definitely where Jacob... So, Works. coming up next on the Hopper on Roy's Dick podcast. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm fucking serious. Like, it's so fucking good. Get on board, there's no, boys. There's no reason why we're good, apart from Roy right now. And me. I'm really good. Yeah. He really is. And yeah. Kiefer. And Kiefer. <laughs> oh, of course, Kiefer. <laughs> Alright, hey, Jamie. Do you sorry, know Keanu sorry. Reeves? What was the question? Where you get along? Uh, yeah, bands yeah. that were, you were doing before, Jacob. Oh, the first band I was, besides PTL. R.I.P. Uh, <laughs> was PTL. a metalcore band uh, called Triumph Tragedy. And, oh. yeah, um, it was... What would you rather? A Triumph or a Tragedy? Well, I got the name from a My Wife and Kids episode. <laughs> <laughs> so you watch Friends and My Wife and Kids. <laughs> so what was it like having one of the Wayans brothers as your lead singer? <laughs> Uh, okay, I'm sorry. I, I I respect you as a person, but my mum loved friends and my wife and kids, and I'm bothered that you guys are going to hang out and get married. And then yeah, you're gonna be well, my you dad. Perfect, <laughs> I can be your dad. I swear to God, every time I finish school, it was other friends or my wife. Yeah, and it's kids. fucking so good. <laughs> what? what? As if your mum didn't watch its academic. Oh, <laughs> As if mum wasn't watching Totally Wild. <laughs> oh, did I did mum tape Totally Wild for you? No, she didn't respect the videotape. What a slut. <laughs> yeah, what a whore. <laughs> Busy. Bitch. Busy working the streets, baby. <laughs> no, she's lovely. Oh. Don't build a joke that I was already digging at. Yeah, alright, alright. <laughs> Your mum has sex with yeah. randoms. <laughs> there we go. Hey, Andrew's mum. Yeah, uh, like, sorry about that. I'm but, just riffing on Andrew. It's like, but the problem is, like, she'll do that. But Let's sleep with like, randoms. But it's like 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 the mortgage is sorted and like we have that recipe. Yeah. Yeah, but what about that the restaurant? <laughs> I told her she's gonna fucking open up that whole fucking the mega store on the rug. I told her no one wants Vietnamese pizza. <laughs> especially at two in the morning. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, nine down, one to go. Let's get into our number one episode of 2016, as voted by you. And it was, fittingly enough, the first episode that came out in 2016. It was my chat with Courtney Barnett. Episode 37, a really cool, really intimate and really honest chat with Courtney backstage at the Enmore Theatre. I'm super, super proud of this one, and I'm glad that you guys got behind it as well. Thanks to everyone for voting. Thanks to all of my guests. 
uh, for being a part of this podcast. I really, really appreciate it. And I'm so excited to be sharing this with you uh, in 2017. So much cool shit coming up, including some really great international guests coming up in the first few weeks. So I'm very, very excited to get into that. So uh, until then, be safe. Chat to you soon. Let's have a chat with Courtney Barnett uh, for the number one, as voted by you, episode of 2016. I'm David James Young, and all my friends own bar bands. I joined, like, the school jazz band and, like, the, whatever was available at school. Yeah. And, um, but I was always really shy. I just kind of turned my volume on my guitar down. So oh, no really? Me. Yeah. And then I was always really keen on starting a rock band. Yeah, yeah like right. music class and stuff, but no one else was really into it as much as I was. So it never like a couple of things like we kind of just got together and played some covers and stuff. Yeah, what kind of stuff? Oh, like Chili Peppers. Chili Peppers, of course. Nirvana. Uh, probably some Nirvana, um, and then there was lots of like that early two thousands, like um, Three Doors Down. Oh yeah, shit, um, Kryptonite. Yeah, Kryptonite. What else? <laughs> um, you know, some classic. Oh, yeah, some yeah, classic yeah. stuff. Raging Against the Machine and stuff. All, all of that was happening then. And then when I finished school in Hobart, like finished grade 12. Yeah, yeah. We, we started a cover band, some of my friends, that we started playing at pubs. Sick. And like actually making some money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the band called? Chameleon. Nice. Yeah. Like... That. It was, it was That's pretty so fun. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> you brought this up when you uh, opened for Billy Bragg at the Opera House. Can you tell us about uh, playing on that stage? Yeah, I did. That's right. I did someone's HSC piece, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They were in, yeah, grade 12, and I was in, I don't know, maybe seven or eight. And, oh, no kidding. And they got an ensemble together to, to play her HSC piece. Mm. And yeah, I. some reason I was part of it, but I was so nervous and kind of not very good at what I was doing. I, yeah. I think, again, I might have turned down my guitar. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I hardly remember that. As, I remember, like, we stole a light bulb from the dressing room as a memento because we were like, That's well, we're playing the opera house. Yeah, and, man. Like, we're never going to come back here again. We're going to take a memento. Like, it's oh, a very, gonna... like, 13-year-old thing to oh, do. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're going to be pissed once they find out. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think growing up in Sydney, well, anywhere, I guess, in Australia especially, but, yeah, you know, it's such a huge deal. To offer yeah, 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 totally. And my mum, you know, before she had kids, she was a ballet dancer and, like, they, you know, just kind of everyone was always talking about how amazing it was and and she, like sometimes we'd go and see ballet there and I don't know it was just this really you know huge far away kind of yeah of possibility yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh so that night was it was just really surreal it was really nerve-wracking it was kind of one of the biggest most prestigious places you could play in Australia yeah I was like shitting myself <laughs> I can imagine <laughs> what was your first quote unquote rock gig where did do you remember where you were how old you were was it one of those like uh, pub places like with the cover band or I think before oh no yeah maybe the cover band was one of the first kind of pub shows I think I started yeah. doing solo stuff just after that because I remember we did it at that place yeah right somewhere but yeah so 
it, that might have been it. And then, yeah. and then my first solo shows were like open micy, kind of um, around Hobart. Yeah. So when did you move to Hobart? When I was 15, 16, I think. Right. Halfway through grade ten. Right. Yeah. So why'd you move? Like, uh, was it just a family related thing? Yeah, mum and dad just um, wanted to move. <laughs> I think. I think they. And it's a weird kind of sea change, isn't it? Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah, it was especially at that point. It was like pretty age, stressful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was. I was very dramatic about it, but I think they were just like over. You know, mum worked in the city, in the city, which yeah. is like a two-hour commute or something. And, yeah, yeah. And there was like all these, you know, million-dollar houses going up around us. I think they were just sick of like the change of what was happening because yeah. we just lived in like this little kind of house and. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think yeah, we moved to like this big, beautiful like kind of house, half you know, out of the city with like heaps of trees and. It was chill. It was good. Oh, that's awesome. Did you find much of it? Obviously, uh, that's where you started to perform under your own name and stuff yeah. like that. So did you find a, a good community of people around that area, people that were interested in the same sort of stuff as you? Did you find, was it was it easier to find those kind of people than when you were growing up? Uh, I think it was just a different, you know, until then I was just in school. Sure, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It was... You know, no one really knows what they're... Well, I didn't, anyway. Mm. When I was at school, I was, like, changing my mind every five minutes about what I wanted to do. When I was in Hobart, I think when I finished school and started uni, yeah, I made some friends from share houses and stuff who played original music and, you know, they they put on their own gigs and, and all that kind of stuff. So that was probably, yeah, you know, they all kind of inspired and encouraged me to, to do my own shows yeah yeah when I turned 18 one of my first gigs I think was Magic Dirt in Hobart and that was like a pub show like I was two meters away from Adelita like I was right at the front yeah and I think she jumped into the crowd and like put when she stepped down she put her hand on my friend's shoulder and we were like whoa Adelita just touching on the shoulder (laughs) (laughs) and it was like the closest we'd kind of been to to you know like, yeah. like real music yeah, yeah, totally. yeah 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 that's unreal. It, seemed, it always seems so you know impossible oh absolutely This has been a David James Young Writes production. For more information, visit davidjamesyoung.com.